Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin, lead ranger at Formby in Liverpool, and today I'm going back in time. Five years ago, in season two, I made my way to the small Snowdonian village of Bethgelert. A short walk from this picturesque town is Havard Garegog Nature Reserve, which is home to some rather peculiar winged creatures. Our story begins deep in the heart of the North Welsh countryside. We've just entered Havard Garegog Nature Reserve. This is Sabine. A ranger for South Snowdonia. It's pretty boggy, so watch your step. Sabine is leading me through a dense waterlogged landscape, which is pretty challenging underfoot. But amongst the thigh-deep mud and scraps of heather are thorny gorse and clumps of bog myrtle. This bog is enclosed in the circle of woodland and towering above us beyond is the Snowdonia mountain range. This place is awesome. Some of us in the team here would call this the jewel in the Snowdonia portfolio. It's really one of our favourite spots. You just feel like you're in the middle of a naturalist candy store. One of the creatures that calls this candy store home is the silver-studded blue butterfly. Each year, Sabine has to count how many of them are in the area to make sure that the population isn't in decline. So we're going to a spot where I normally count the butterflies and uh, I get to tell you why they're such a special species. The silver-studded blues are a tiny little butterfly and they've got a really pretty lacy white edge to the underside of their wings. The silver-studded blue butterflies are an endangered species and although they can be found around the UK, there's some things that make this a perfect spot for our winged friends. the bog, there's lots of different plants flowering and the butterflies feed on the nectar from all those flowers. And when they've done that, they can then lay their eggs on the dry hills, on the heather. And it's this unique habitat that is partly responsible for the success of this species in this tiny pocket of Welsh wilderness. But even this perfect habitat for the butterflies is under threat, but not by man or pollution, but from Mother Nature herself. The bog is at threat of getting overgrown with bushes and tall grasses. To make sure things stay tip-top, the team have had to bring in some special help. Us land managers, we've brought in cows. It will come as no surprise that cows are utterly brilliant at grazing. The way they eat is by rasping at the thick grass and vegetation with their tongues, and that tears up the landscape to make a perfect spot for butterflies to nest and lay their eggs in. They do a really good job at that. That means we've got lots of flowers for the butterflies in the bog. But just like our overgrowing plants, our cows can also cause a bit of a headache for the butterflies. The problem is that they go up on the dry hills and then they trample the eggs and the grubs of the butterfly. So they can cause a lot of damage to the butterfly population, even though they're benefiting them by maintaining the flower-rich bog. It's just this complicated balance that you're always manipulating and playing with. So why did the species that needed so much care and attention choose this rather unforgiving landscape as its habitat? Well, silver-studded blues have a surprising little secret. This spot used to be coastal in the olden days. In 1805, a cob, 
or a seawall, was built eight miles away to reclaim land for agriculture and for industry. This turned the landscape from a coastal site into an inland nature reserve. We think that this population is, is a remnant population from when this was a coastal site. Because of the change of environment, these butterflies need a lot of extra help to keep their habitat in order. So five years on, I wanted to find out how the butterflies were faring so far away from the seaside. We called up lead ranger David Smith to find out more. Hi, David. Hi, Kate. So, David, since we were here in 2017, how have things been going? Since you were last here in 2017, the numbers haven't been great, to be honest. They're still there, but their numbers are pretty low. We're not really sure why. It depends an awful lot just on the weather, really. It's a wetland site and the river's nearby, so it's always quite humid. At the same time, we're at the foot of the mountains, so you've got the sort of mountain influence as well. The temperatures can be fairly extreme, more extreme than coastal. The sea has a sort of levelling effect. Over in Havagregog, it can be very, very hot, and in the winter it can get very, very cold. So what hope is there for the future? Is it going to look any better this time next year, do you think? I'm hoping that the work that we're doing to manage the habitat will um, increase the numbers. Obviously that depends to an extent on our habitat management, but it depends an awful lot just on the weather, really. With the weather and climate change causing havoc all around the world, we had to find out if these butterflies are being affected elsewhere. So we tracked down some of their coastal cousins in Devon. We called up our ranger in Solcombe to find out what they do there and her answer was a little bit more bionic than bovine. Hi Emma. Hi Kate. So a little birdie tells me you've got some seaside silver-studded blues. Yeah, we have a strong population of silver-studded blue butterflies here on the coast. Oh, that's good. So are these ones any different from the ones we've just been looking at in Wales? The butterflies uh, here in South Devon are in a very different habitat. Butterflies are in their adult form in the summer and this habitat is on those lower cliffs. They're really good warm microclimates which the butterflies and lots of other insects survive in. I know what it's like being on the coast in the winter but those warm microclimates sound absolutely idyllic. So are there other butterflies there as well? Yeah, so we have lots of different butterfly species around the area that are, you know, flying around and easy to see from the coastal footpaths. The dark green fritillaries are one of the bigger ones we get. So they're really beautiful. They almost look slightly orangey when they're flying, but their underwing's got like a bit of a green tinge to it. And the red admiral butterflies um, are called that because they've got a big red um, stripes on their wings. They sort of almost look black and white when you see them flying. And we get butterflies called peacocks, which are quite a sort of maroony red colour. And they have beautiful blue dots on them, which is where they get their name from. And then there's other species which are yellow, like the brimstone butterflies. And we get the crazy looking orange tip butterflies, which literally look like someone's dipped the end of their wing into orange paint pot. We get a lot of those. They sound really unusual, but they're actually quite common. As you come up, the butterflies, some of which will fly around your sort of knee height, and some of the other species that are bigger, stronger flyers will be up around your head height. With all those colours, you've painted an absolutely gorgeous picture of what life is like in Sulcan for the butterflies. 
the coastal grassland itself is full of lots of different wildflowers. Around your feet, you've got the, um, the yellows and the pinks and the purples. And then also, you've, because you're walking along the coast, on one side of you, you've got the beautiful blue sea as well, and hopefully a blue sky if you get a good day. So are our little rare silver-studded blues included in that sea of colour? They're actually quite tricky to find, and you have to go off that beaten track into the little enclosed areas where they have their colonies on the lower cliffs away from the path. They sound like they're quite tucked away, really. How do you look after the spots where they live? All the habitats that we have, well, anything you want to maintain in terms of conservation management needs livestock grazing. The area where the butterflies are found is fantastic in that we have quite a mix of livestock. Through the winter, there's sheep that graze the cliffs and they're brilliant because they go right down the steep cliff faces quite happily and they graze the shorter areas of grassland and keep it short, which is good for the butterflies. We also have herds of cattle um, and in particular, we have highland cows out there with their big curly horns um, that always look fantastic. Um, and they do a great job because they're a bit more like bulldozers. They sort of bosh through the scrub and quite happily roam around really, um, you know, sort of dense areas of scrub and bash it about, which keeps it under control. And then we also have Dartmoor ponies on the cliffs out there, um, which again do a good job at sort of grazing the shorter bits of grassland um, and they create nice sort of tussocky areas. So having that mix of grazing is really important. Ideally, we can't always do it for various reasons. Ah, so not too dissimilar from what they do in Wales then. But I've got to be honest, cows and cliffs don't really sound like a brilliant mix. So what do you do to keep on top of the butterflies' habitat the closer you get to the sea? So we use something called a remote flail, remote-controlled flail or robo-flail. Basically, it's well, there's different types of them, but a spinning head of uh, metal teeth. So it basically rips through anything scrubby um, and breaks it up into really small, tiny little pieces. It's a fantastic bit of kit that's on caterpillar tracks. It's just over a metre wide and probably just slightly under a metre tall. And the machine is used remotely by an operator with a control box and they send it off down the cliffs. Um, it's got really good grip and it's not particularly big as well, so it's not got too much weight behind it, which means that you can send it down quite steep cliff faces. Um, and the flail head then cuts through the gorse and blackthorn and shreds it up. It means the following spring, all the wildflowers and the grasslands can come back in those areas that have been cut. Wow, well, with all those great big spinning teeth, it sounds like it's gonna be more at home on robot wars. But why not just let the sheep do what they need to do? The sheep do a fantastic job, but there's only so much that they can get onto. And they also won't eat the scrubby bushes because, you know, they're just feeding on the grass and the wildflowers. Doing that additional flailing, that additional scrub control, means that we get really good pockets of scrub amongst the grassland. You can see on cliff areas where that isn't done, you get these huge great banks of scrub, which means that the light is much more blocked out and there's not other things sort of surviving underneath it. The robotic flail has been really revolutionary for a lot of our conservation management. Historically, the well, either the cutting wasn't done or the um, farmers or contractors would be in a digger or a crawler trying to take it onto steep cliffs, which is obviously incredibly dangerous. So it's just 
great having to take away that, that operator risk. And also the size of the machine means that you can really get around little rocky outcrops and you can get to bits that would never have been able to be controlled before. So with all the hard work that you, the team and our cyborg colleagues are putting in, how's the future looking like for the Silver Studded Blues in South Devon? We're really pleased that overall the numbers are going up. They've been studied locally um, since 2016, I think it is. Um, they've been surveyed. Um, so we've got good data there. And the trend is that they're increasing. But as with all butterfly species, they are very affected by the weather. So last year we had quite a wet spring. Um, the weather was a bit all over the place. So last year's numbers weren't as good. But the overall trend is an increasing population. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust podcast. To find more of our episodes, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, do leave us a review and let us know what you think of it. We'll be back soon with a new episode. But for now, from me, Kate Martin, goodbye. <laughs>